Welcome to the Board Game Community Show, a podcast where we get to know people in the board game community. Hmm. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and today our guest is Sarah from Big Girl Games. How are you, Sarah? I'm good, Riley. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on. We're, uh... I'm excited to be on. I, I was really thrilled to see that uh, you were looking for people to be on your show. Yeah, always looking. <laughs> I'm just, and you talked about, we'll get into this later, but you do both board game design and uh, tabletop RPG design as well. Yep, I sure do. So I've been interested, I've been like wanting a guest out there. So it seemed meant to be. It it really did. It really did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we get into all that, why don't you tell us what got you into board gaming in the first place? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, it's, I feel like there's not like just one thing, you know, like so many people in my generation, I grew up playing Monopoly and Sorry and all those games with my family. My very first board game was Candyland when I was three and my mom would not let me win, you know, like I've got those stories, but probably the hobby side of the industry. um, I got a lot more into that um, through, through kind of video gaming, kind of through a back door. I, was a games journalist for online, um, mostly casual gaming for years and years, um, covered flash games and stuff like that. Um, the, the advent of mobile games, when we started getting like touch screens on our phones and apps became more uh, part of our life. And, um, I entered a game jam and I, I just, but I'm not a coder. (laughs) So I had this great idea and I was like, okay, you know what? I can't code this game to be a digital game. So I'm going to just turn it into a board game because why the heck not? And it's a terrible board game, but it launched me (laughs) into the board gaming hobby industry in about 2008. And I have been kind of lurking on the edges all this time. And last year I went, you know what? I'm going to start my own company and I'm going to get serious about this. And so here I am. Awesome. That's really exciting. (laughs) How has it been? How's How's it diving into the deep end? Um, well, great and scary, and I haven't actually sold anything yet, but I will. I will. I have so much stuff like going on right now that um, hopefully the first, the first serious Kickstarter is going to be. Um, we're we're kind of shooting now for September because of some promotional stuff that I can do in September that I can't do before then. But yeah, yeah, oh. so yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's exciting. What can you say? What it is, or anything about it? Um. So I well, okay. I have a big game that is already on Kickstarter. It's ready to launch. Um. But everybody said no, no. Start with a small game. So then I backtracked and I created this whole new game, which is probably not going to be the first one I launch either because. I entered an 18-card tabletop RPG contest uh, through Button Shy Games, yeah. and I came up with about half a dozen ideas, <laughs> two of which are really good. And so one of them is going in the competition, and the other one I'm turning into a game. Um, it's probably going to be more than 18 cards. I'm not going to follow their exact rules. I'm making it my own. But it's... Um, Right now, I'm calling it Toil and Trouble. It's about a um, you find out that you are, you and your group, or you as a solo person, um, find out that you're a witch. And uh, you find it out through some sort of um, environmental disaster. So environmental stuff is kind of my bag. That's sort of my gimmick for my company. Um, and you're going to get to journal a lot and go collect stuff out in nature and do some fun stuff. And I've got some really cool stuff like homemade paper and all that's going to be a part of it. So we'll see what happens. Wow. That's exciting. That sounds ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully it won't be super expensive. Hopefully it's going to be one of those things that you can buy the fancier package, but you can also buy the like three or $5 print and play. So that's my hope. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. In September. That's what it's looking like. Yes. Yes. I was shooting for the end of summer, but I think um, there's um, uh, a previewer who is just getting started and they want to do a reviewer, I guess I should say, because preview doesn't mean the same thing in this industry as it does in other gaming industries. Reviewer who wants to have me on their show in September to launch it. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Cool. 
And well, you know, that's the thing I love about this industry. And you, I mean, you're part of it, right? Everybody, yeah. not everybody, but so many of us like indie designers, indie content creators, we all have each other's backs and everybody like works together to try to like, I'll help you have some content. You'll help me have some, some promotional stuff. Like it's, it's just, everybody's trying to help each other out. And I love yeah. that. I love that about this community. And and that's what I hear about like other people who've been involved in like different kinds of communities. They're like, it's very competitive yeah. and like people yeah. will keep secrets and they're like, they might help yeah. you a little bit, but overall they're like gunning for themselves yeah. and fighting for themselves. But here it's just like, no, I want everyone to succeed because they're going to make a game that I might love, you know? And, right. Right. And yeah. So it's just, I love this community. Hence why I did this show. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what's your favorite board game? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so probably my all-time favorite is um, Lords of Waterdeep. I really like um, worker placement games, but I also really like deck builds. It's hard for me to say. Like Sometimes I'm like, oh, I really love this. I I love cooperative games, so I, make, I think this is why I like um, kind of moving into the TTRPG realm. Um, I love to play them. And so I want to make them, but I also have like at various times, I'm like, Oh, ask me tomorrow and it will be different. But I think my my favorite right now, because I'm sort of alone for the summer is um, I got under falling skies, which is a solo game. And I am just having a blast with it. And so I I don't know, it's going to change by the time, (laughs) by the time the podcast is up, I'll be like, Oh, I have a totally new favorite game. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what is so your many... favorite game? <laughs> it's so hard to choose, right? Right? It's a, it's like a loaded question for <laughs> sure. Like right now I'm like, Sleeping Gods is my favorite. But then like next week I'll be like, right. oh, I'm, I'm really back into Pandemic or uh-huh, Marvel uh-huh. United. I've got yeah, so yeah. many. You know, you just. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. General question. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks right. for putting me on the spot there, Fred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to be like, I talked to Sarah and she didn't say that. Yeah. She said a different game. She lied to me. <laughs> I totally did say a different game like a month ago when I was on Who, What, When. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really awesome. <laughs> well, so what about tabletop RPGs? When did you get into those? You know, it's funny. I'm I'm old enough to have been um, a nerd back when being a nerd was not cool. Like now, everybody's like, "Oh, I've got my nerd cred," and I'm like, "Yeah, kids, you just don't know." Those <laughs> of us who were nerds in the '70s and '80s, um, we we paved that road for you with our <laughs> tears and our blood. Um, so I would have loved to have played Dungeon and Dragons as a kid, but my mom is really conservative and strict and religious oh. and she would not let me because it was like, I don't know, witchcraft or something. <laughs> so I'm serious. I'm not joking, even though I'm laughing. <laughs> um, so I actually didn't really play any tabletop RPGs until, um, oh gosh, probably six years ago. And um, some friends were like, hey, we're going to do this like once a month, one shot. And I go, okay, I don't know anything about it all. I'll play along. I do theater. I like telling stories. So I got to play Fiasco. And um, what's the one that you use Jenga to to tell a story with? I don't know. It's 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 a really cool game. Um, I can't remember what it's called. But it is, I've I never promise, heard really of that. Cool I'll game. have to look it up. And then a friend said, hey, you know, you should lead Lasers and Feelings. Let's do a one-shot Lasers and Feelings and learn how to do it. And I was hooked. And I have been GMing and writing my own games ever since. So Wow. Yeah. All in, like, throughout different games? or Yeah. Most of, most of what I GM is in the Powered by the Apocalypse world. So um, oh. Monster of the Week and Masks and Monster Hearts and made up a game for some friends uh, from the simple rules and just various other things. But um, I've, I've written a hack of lasers and feelings and I have made up a little game um, that's a powered by the apocalypse game. And then most of the stuff that I've done has just been little freebies on my website that are just little like, Oh, pull out a deck of cards and do this. Or, Hey, if you have a tarot deck, do that. Or, you know, tell it, tell a story together. Kind of like the, everybody writes one sentence, but with some kind of prompt that relates to it. So, yeah. That's really cool. 
I, the only reason I'm familiar with some of those is because they've done them or talked about them on the adventure zone. Mm-hmm. It's a great mm-hmm. podcast that I yeah. love. But anyway, <laughs> I'm like fairly new into it. Uh, okay. For this podcast, I ran a four session Bunkers and Badasses, which is based on the Borderlands video game. And so I ran through an adventure of that. And that was like my third time ever DMing anything <laughs> or GMing or whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. like, it's always something I've wanted to get into, but never have just because of who's going to play with me, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. And so you have theater background, which I think probably helps a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I have written some plays over the years, but I feel like, there, there. I think there are kind of a group of people. So I think people who um, who like to write, even if it's just journaling, um, people who like to tell stories, um, like someone like if you're ever around somebody who like always has to one up you, like you tell a story and they're like, oh, I've got a story. I'm a little, I'm a little, I have a little bit of that myself. I will admit. <laughs> People like that are great at these games. And and I think having that theater background is part of it. But I think anybody who has ever done any kind of just imaginative play, even as a kid, can jump in and have fun with it. We got a guy at the gaming table last Tuesday night who is old enough to have played Dungeons and Dragons back in the day, but he never did. He was always fascinated with it. Um, he, he tried a time or two and like would create a character and then be like, Oh, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And at the end of the game, he was like, why have I never done this? (laughs) This was so fun. And Uh, and his background is basically, he was a kid once, you know, like that's, that's it. He was a kid who liked telling (laughs) stories once. So yeah. (laughs) Once upon a time, I liked doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh, it's interesting. I did a poll on, I should have had it pulled up, but that's okay. I did a poll on Twitter that was like, which is where I ended up asking Mm -hmm, you from, mm -hmm. but was what the intersection of, uh, people that play board games and people that play tabletop RPGs or just one or the other or Mm -hmm. none. There was like one Mm -hmm. person that said none. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Why are you following me? No, I'm just kidding. Right? It's actually, I know who it is and he's awesome. He <laughs> listens to the podcast and then he does the music for the Bunkers and Badasses stuff. Love him. Nice. Nice. I'm pretty sure it was him at least. <laughs> I'm going to get a Out text. Your friend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's going to be like, it was not me. <laughs> um, but it was, there was like a very small amount that only played tabletop RPGs. A large mm. amount that played... Uh, only board games, and then almost just barely under that same amount that played both Mm -hmm. TRPGs Mm -hmm. and uh, board games. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of expected that to be lower. I don't know, maybe just because Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, playing Dungeons and Dragons was like really, really nerdy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I think it's been coming up um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i don't they're like cousins i feel like yeah yeah and and so i'm curious what that's been like for you doing both designing mm-hmm. both and like do you see some people being more like hesitant towards ttrpgs yeah yeah i definitely do um and i i definitely see people from the rpg world also maybe being a little hesitant to play board games um and so, so yeah, I think it's interesting that there is getting to be more and more overlap. Um, yeah, I, I do, I do think. So I think that people who are really heavy board game players, if they play RPGs at all, they're playing things like Champions that are super math heavy, and it's not so much about telling the story as it is about um, grinding through the numbers because they like that aspect of certain board games as well, worker placement games and. Mm. Um, strategy board games of various kinds um i i have a really good friend who in fact he's the one who told me to to try out lasers and feelings and to he's the one who first encouraged me to lead a tabletop rpg 
But he, the only one he wants to play is champions because he likes that mathing everything out um, in board games. And so he likes that in that particular TTRPG. Interesting. Um, but I, I like board games that have a story. So I will play um, a, um, oh, what do they call them? Um, uh, I'm having, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm having vocabulary problems problems recently and I I want to blame it on the pandemic (laughs) so let's hope that that's what the problem is but um, abstract abstract games okay but I still I still want a little theme on top of the abstraction um he's the kind of person who the more abstract the better like he'll buy a game with a theme and he'll be like oh yeah it's got a theme but what I really like is is this set of strategies that you get to do that are different from other things. Like he's really thinking through that kind of thing. I, I love, I love Lords of Waterdeep and I think I'm telling a story, even when I'm playing that game, even though it is very straightforward worker placement and there is a lot of math that goes on and I'm good at it because I've played it for years. But I think I also like my, my roommate and I sit in there and we like hold our little purple cube and go, well, this little guy's doing blah, blah, blah. Like we're telling a story with it anyway. So yeah, I think I think you're gonna find there's probably some of that. That's where the interlap is. Is those of us who want that theme to be actually thematic, to actually have purpose. Yeah, I'm very, very like theme based. I <laughs> I have a hard time being like, hey, let's play. I'm trying to think of a themeless game right now, but chess, chess. <laughs> well, I could even say chess has a story of like. Two kingdoms yeah. fighting each oh, other. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I know it's a stretch, but it's like I'm trying to, or even just a mundane theme like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Ticket to Ride in my head. A lot of Euro games for me are like mundane themes, farming, or you know. But but it's like once I get playing them, I love them. They're way fun. But just in my head, I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't I rather be like fighting a dragon or? Yeah. You know, <laughs> building an empire. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's just an interesting theme and mechanics. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the balance. And and when they yeah. marry the two together, that's obviously beautiful. Like, And that's yeah. where those Euro games really flourish. Mm-hmm. But anyways, rambling. <laughs> <laughs> Have you introduced uh, RPG folk to board games? You know, I, I have tried. I have tried. I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's anyone I've been successful with. I've actually been more successful going the other direction. Oh really? Um yeah. Um we we are always so my roommate and I like both. Um and we are always trying to and of course we've played a lot of games in the last year and a half. <laughs> um but we are we're always trying to get our RPG group. We have a very solid group that we've played with for several years and we're always trying to get that group to play board games with us. And that has actually been more of a struggle than to get our really strong, solid board gaming group to play RPGs with us. So Hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the resistance has been there, but yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder if the idea of having this totally open experience where you're like, well, I can get as creative as I want, you know, like, I already play games, like, but then going from a TTRPG to a board game is like, well, now I'm limited to what's on the board and what the mechanics are there. I can't just be like, well, I want to walk this way, you know. Or- sure, sure, maybe. I and I, and I, I, I guess I see all of it as having constraints, right? Like you, you, if you're playing a particular um, type of TTRPG, there are restraints. You have a certain type of die that you can roll or multiple dice you can roll and you can only do certain moves and like the the more math related ones only maybe only let you take a step or up to four steps. Like, you know, there's that I think those are very limiting factors as well. But yeah, I think maybe that story element to it gives it that sense of freedom that the people that I play with are just like not that interested in in sitting around a board and having to pay attention to that when they want to be living in their in their imaginations. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, that makes sense. Yeah. 
It does. Well, why don't we transition outside of board games and RPGs and talk about you outside of them? Okay. (laughs) What do you do? What other hobbies do you have outside of these? Well, I mentioned theater. Um, Of course, for the last year and a half, there has been no theater. Um, But I have been doing live community theater now for almost 30 years. Wow. And that's sort of my that's sort of been my passion up until recently. And board games has really become more of my passion. But I write um, and uh, do music, um, play a little ukulele and a little keyboards and sing. And so, yeah, I have lots of creative interests. Just took up crochet. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Sounds like you but, like making things or the mm-hmm. arts, anything. Yeah, else, right? yeah. Which is funny because my degree is a very is a very um, kind of mathematical degree, but I've always yeah. I've always done more creative stuff, even in my work until recently. So yeah. What uh What do you do for work? Um, up until recently, I owned an advertising agency. I closed that oh. down in 2020, and um, because I had just finished a PhD in water policy and economics, because. <laughs> I live in New Mexico. I mean, you live in Utah, right? So, I mean, you understand we're in a drought and it's been super dry. And I was told when I started this PhD, there would be a ton of jobs. (laughs) There are not. (laughs) That was me just giving a raspberry for those of you who are listening and cannot see my face with my tongue (laughs) stuck out. Um, Yeah, there have not been jobs. So I'm a stormwater inspector, which means I go to construction sites and make sure that they don't have anything that can run off in the case of a rain event, which in New Mexico, we say a quarter of an inch is a rain event because it can fall. And I'm sure Utah is the same way. It can fall so fast and then it's flash flooding. And, and then there are problems. There can be problems with, with toxic substances running off of construction sites. So I just make sure that they have everything, you know, safe and secured and any anywhere that water can run through their site that it's not going to carry anything bad with it that's really interesting i wouldn't have yeah you wouldn't think of that as something but yes it's an important thing to have done (laughs) yeah Yeah. well very cool yeah and then you started this and then i started this i did i did i actually started designing my big game um, which is a big deck building game about water scarcity Back in 2018, um, because I had been playing a really fun cooperative deck builder and uh, my roommate left for the summer and took it with her. And I was like, I have no game to play. I'll make my own game. So I did. (laughs) And then um, then I got kind of caught up in, you know, writing a dissertation, which is super fun. (laughs) And last year I couldn't get a job because, yay, pandemic. So I just got serious about board games. Very cool. What was the co-op deck builder? Um, The one that I'm making or the one that I was playing? The one you were playing. And then we'll go into the one you were making. I figured this Uh, would be shorter. Yeah. So (laughs) before we knew what an awful person J.K. Rowling was, we were playing Hogwarts Battle, uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. It was actually a really, really um, well-designed co-op uh, game um, and and we had we had uh, mastered it pretty um, sufficiently that we were making up our own rules to make it harder and so I actually took a lot of that what I learned from that into my game to make it to where you don't all of a sudden go oh now we just kill all the bad guys or now we solve all the problems to um, kind of the difficulty ramps up with how you improve as well so yeah so. Let's talk about that. It was called uh, Diamonds for Water. Diamonds yeah. for Water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is actually an economics joke. Um, I I guess I'm not married to it, but I think it's very funny. And people who have played the game have been like, oh, yeah, we get it. Um, what, you know, when you ask somebody what's valuable, diamonds or water, and they're like, oh, I mean, diamonds are expensive. Water is cheap. But you can live without diamonds, right? But you can't live without water. So why have we put such a high value on something that is actually intrinsically valueless versus a low value on something that is intrinsically necessary to life? Like we can't live without it. It's it's a paradox that economists talk about. um, And it is kind of responsible in some areas of the world for water scarcity on top of 
climate change, drought, um, overuse, uh, all kinds of problems that happen. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, let me stick this theme onto a mechanic, a game mechanic that I like and see what happens. And it kind of turned into a cool game where you're playing with other water stakeholders. And so some are farmers and some are environmentalists and some are urban and they're not going to get along. So there's conflict. And, um, and then a, a thing that people I, that I always play um, cooperative games with like this is, well, why can't we save resources in between? So in my game, you can plant food and let it grow and then harvest it and have food come back up later, which is a currency. And mm. I don't know, I just had a lot of fun with it. And it turned into kind of a cool, kind of a cool game. And you're like, you're like against this like water countdown timer as water becomes more and more scarce. And so it has that sort of like pandemic did with viruses, like, Oh, we're going to make a game about viruses across the world. (laughs) But I I kind of was like, Hey, you know what? This is a real theme, but we're going to, we're going to try to beat the clock before we run out of water in the world. So. Yeah. That is really interesting. (laughs) So it's all co-op. It is all co-op. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I love co-op, so that's looking forward to that. Good, good. <laughs> um, is that like some people make games to kind of teach a lesson or mm-hmm. or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people find a hard time balancing educational and fun. Have you found that at all? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, maybe, maybe I have fun playing this game, and my uh-huh. my group, my gaming group that has play tested it with me now for three years has had fun with the game. Um, and I do, you know, so I really love wingspan. That will be on my list of maybe like top five. And I feel like that is a game that is just fun. The mechanic works really well. It does a lot of the things I like to do in a strategy game like that. And yet every single card has a ton of educational information on it. And some of that is, part of the mechanic it's like built into the into how you play the game um and i so i tried to do a little bit of that with my game as well but also just stick little bits of of information onto some of the cards that if somebody's interested they can go oh huh this says such and such about this water crisis but they don't have to ever read any of it so if they want to be educated they can but if they don't they can just play the game yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And as, I think Wingspan's such a perfect example because it does have like, it has the bird's wingspans on there. It has what region they're from. And and most of the time you can ignore that, but every once in a while you'll get a bonus card that's like, if it's smaller than this size or bigger than yeah. this size. Yeah, or like the type of nest that they, that they nest in has something to do with laying eggs or like, you know, all of those little things are realities for those birds but have then been built into how the mechanics of the game work. And I, I just, I think it's, it's so brilliant. I, my game yeah. is nowhere near that level of tying the theme to the, to the mechanics, but I did try to do it in some ways um, to make it, I don't know, feel like maybe this is educational and maybe this is also just kind of a fun um, simplified version, like, like, um, like with pandemic, you know, that's not exactly how, a virus spreads, but we've simplified it and then we've made it this strategic mechanic in a game. And so I just, I think that's, it's fun to try to make that work. Yeah. From the the designer side. (laughs) You said you've like written plays, right? Mm -hmm. So I think in that same, in the writing world, they say like, write what you know. And so I think it's sort of the same thing with design what you know. What kind of plays did you write, by the way? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I wrote some plays for, like, middle school, like, one-act plays for, like, middle school-age kids. Um, uh, musical and, I don't know, another one I can't remember. And then I've written a couple of full-length plays. Um, one is uh, Rumble Stiltskin, actually. <laughs> it's, um, so when, when fairy tale mashups started to become really popular, uh, I was on the board of a theater that was running out of money. And so they actually called me one day and said, what are we going to do? We're out of money. Could you write a play for our Christmas show that we could have royalty free? 
And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. So I did. And it ended up being a really fun little play about Rumpelstiltskin um, with Hansel and Gretel and a bunch of other fairy tale characters, a big bad wolf and some other folks. Um, And then I wrote another one about turning 40. I actually wrote it after I turned 40, but about just, you know, how, how life changes for women after 40. And it was very uh, irreverent, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did that get uh, performed anywhere? It did. It did actually get performed. Um, I have not had time to go back and rewrite it. It needs, it does need a little bit of work. Um, but I actually had a pretty, um, a pretty cool, uh, situation with a guy in Albuquerque who was a retired, um, Broadway dude who came and sat in on a staged reading we did and gave me just the kind of notes that you can't get if you don't live on in New York, you know, like it just was, it was very cool to have that opportunity and be in New Mexico. Yeah. That's really awesome. (laughs) Cool. Congrats on that. (laughs) I mean, it was years ago and I have done nothing with it, but someday, someday, someday I will. (laughs) Yeah. You'll make it into a board game. There you go. Oh, (laughs) now the wheels are turning up. Ridiculously themed board game. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, (laughs) What kind of stories do you write in your tabletop RPGs? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. So I feel like there's, I feel like there's two sides to that. So one is when I'm, when I'm um, designing a game or developing a game and writing rules. Um, Most of those so far have been more about um, creating a mechanic and not so much about a story, except my very first one, which was a lasers and feelings hack called Sturdy and Wild, which is a steampunk uh, detective agency. So I, I have to admit, I'm a big, uh, I, I would love to have the money to be like full out steampunk regalia all the time. I would totally go down that rabbit hole if I had the money to do it. Uh, so I live that vicariously through my stories. Um, and so Love I uh, have, ri- I have actually led um, several steampunk um, monster of the week games. Um, I'm writing a murder mystery based on one of those games uh, that's set in this steampunk world that I created for a game. And oh, that's uh, cool. all. But up until I started this button shy challenge, um, I hadn't really, I hadn't really given thought to like, giving a story to the tabletop RPGs that I was designing. And so now I am now I'm, you know, I, I buy those. I have bought masks of monster of the week and, and not that those have specific monster of the week doesn't have a specific story. Masks kind of does. Um, But, you know, I, I invest in games that have that. And so now I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens. Well, so I've got exciting. the one about the witches dealing with some sort of like, you know, environmental crisis. And then I've got another, the one that I'm going to enter in the contest, which is a space theme. So, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I love space. Sci-fi. Yeah. Yes. 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 Is it sci-fi or just like realistic space stuff? Oh, no, it's totally sci-fi. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the energy for realistic. <laughs> like that takes too much work yeah uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i well i shouldn't say that yeah uh, i like that you brought wingspan up earlier because that was like a running joke for a really long time on the old podcast where we would just say like well you could always just be bird watching or something you know like <laughs> we'd make fun of it all the time and and my co-host brother would be like no guys like this is such a great game and we're like yeah i'm sure it is and <laughs> And so finally I got it and played it with my wife because I thought maybe my wife will mm-hmm. like it. And uh-huh. it's like, this game is crazy good. So right? good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when I think of like, well, if it was a realistic space game, it might not be that fun. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, no, <laughs> it could. could be. But I feel like that would lend itself more to like Wingspan, a board game where the realism is built into the mechanic or whatever. Exactly. Whereas I feel like with a, a, a tabletop RPG, you really, 
want to give the imagination as much free flow as possible. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a bunch of really cool artwork of things happening in space. And you've just got to tell a story about what's happening and then choose a problem and resolve that problem. So lots of cool iconography and some really, some really pretty background art that oh, nice. I'm using with permission from an artist in I think Poland. So, yeah. Oh, cool. I was going to ask if you do your own art or if you contract it out. <sighs> I'm not an artist. No, I'm not an artist. And that's, that's one of the, that's one of the things that has kept me from uh, pulling the trigger on my big game on Kickstarter is right now all the artwork is just photography and I don't have a problem with it. I think it looks fine. I think the game looks really cool, but man, I have gotten so much criticism from that for that from mostly male. No, 100% male, mostly white fellow designers who are like, Oh, that's, that's so lazy. You can't just, you can't just go to Kickstarter with, photos and I'm like I, I kind of want that in the game but yeah so no I, I'm not an artist uh, so when I need art I have to I have to pay for it yeah or you know or find someone who's like hey let's do this on speculation here's all of my art that's in the public domain feel free to use it for you know this particular project and so that's what I did with the the space game oh that's awesome yeah. I mean I think that's a really cool and unique idea I mean Use for using photography. That's great. Is it, are they all pictures yeah. you took? No, no. Um, some are pictures that were taken by a friend of mine who's a photographer, and some okay. are just pictures that are they're just in the public domain. But that it's not. I'm not necessarily. Uh, and some are pictures I've purchased as well um, from other photographers. Um, like all of the characters you can play are photos. And one is a real person doing the real job. And so the idea is eventually to actually get people pictures of real people doing those jobs. I just, right now they're kind of placeholders. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work or not. I think it looks awesome, but other people are like, Oh, it's just an edgy game. And I'm like, it's not, I swear it's educational, (laughs) but it's not an edgy game. Funny. I guess maybe (laughs) I haven't played that many educational games like that that are like yeah so i don't think i've played any games that use actual photographs yeah so that sounds Um, unique so that hogwarts battle game does use photos from the movies oh yeah like screen Um, and so i mean like i've been playing that i'm like oh so i don't care and then i i had also gotten a firefly legendary encounters game that has uh artwork that is that is universally made fun of because it's just terrible. Um, but it's, but it's hand drawn art, um, of scenes from the TV show. And from the moment I got that game, I wondered why they did that. And then (laughs) I got this really negative feedback and went, Oh, that's why they did that. They could have used photography probably because they've got the license, but they probably got that negative feedback about not using Hmm. photos. So. That is interesting. Like uh, deck building games, I love. One of the games that got me like super into board games and everything was Marvel Legendary, mm-hmm. and I did like all of the expansions for a long time. And then they came out with like the MCU one and the Spider Man one that used screen caps. And I was like, I, I'm not going to do those. Like, I don't want. Uh, I want yeah. the drawn and artwork and yeah. stuff. But yeah. I think that's kind of a different thing and same with harry potter Mm -hmm, like right right harry potter yes it's a book but most people know it from a movie and like recognize the characters that right right and i mean also and i agree i think that you're right that this is a different thing because probably a lot of the artwork that you were getting was comic book artwork it may have been drawn by actual comic artists yeah as opposed to harry potter which isn't from a comic book so we don't have that art that we're like oh that's like I can see in my head what I want, you know, and yet for that game, people know those characters from the movies. And so of course, then, you know, you play it and you don't think anything of the artwork being screen caps. So. Yeah. Well, and even like, uh, I'm a big Marvel fan. So there's like the Marvel Avengers video game that came out last mm. year and people were really, really upset because they were like, the characters don't look like they do in the movies. And I was like, well, no, like 
There's yeah, a yeah, lot of because it's digital art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this game isn't based on the movies. Like, yeah, even in the yeah. comics, people change just depending on the artist and and yeah. all that. Anyway, yeah, weird, yeah. weird stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I would love to see your art, like the the photography. I'd love to play yeah. it as the photograph version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's on, it's on tabletop simulator. So, I mean, I can, I can play it with you sometime if you want. Let's do it. Yeah. Right all now, right, let's all just right. play it on yeah, here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said you played video games. I talked about <laughs> playing video games just for a sec. Do you still mm-hmm. play them? I do. Um, I mostly play um, online um, and, and I mean, I probably have, I, every once in a while I count, I usually have between 150 and 200 games on my phone. Whoa. I play a ton of phone games. Um, and I mean, everything from, um, you know, heavy duty, what, what we call, you know, video and digital games call RPGs, um, like darkness rising to, uh, the, the, you know, beautiful little Samaras games from, uh, 15 years ago that were, you know, just really pretty kind of point and click adventures from, um, um, Amanita designs. Uh, are they in the Ukraine? Are they in Poland? I don't know. They were, they were well known, um, in online gaming. So flash, you know, Flash let people do amazing things. So I'm really sad that it's gone because <laughs> that's where I got my my gaming journalistic start was writing about Flash games um, and uh-huh. online games, you know, congregate.com and armor games and all these sites that hosted a game, a, a thousand games that you could just go play for free. Yeah, um, it was incredible. I, yeah, and I still to this day... Um, want to play those games and have found like workarounds um, with other uh, software that now will let you play flash games uh, from these, some of these, um, what would you call them? Legacy sites, maybe um, mm. sunny and Jim craft. And I mean, if people have ever been into online games, they're going to recognize these names because they, a lot of them got their start making these just amazing flash games that they eventually went on to make games on steam or some of them are apps or, you know, whatever. And, and they really cut their teeth on how to make really good design in these games where they got very immediate, immediate uh, feedback from people who played free games. And so I was, yeah. that was where I started. I do have a PlayStation. It's a very old one. Um, <laughs> I never liked the PlayStation as much. Um, as I do kind of the immediacy of a computer screen or a phone screen. Um, but I think that that's more, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't keep sound on, on games and I don't want to have to like squint to see little tiny words. I don't want to have to be like right up against my enormous television screen. So totally get that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have like a top, this seems like a trap question too, just like favorite board game, but do you have like a top five mobile games or games? Oh, mobile games. Hmm. Top five mobile games. That one is a lot. That one changes a lot more. Um, but again, <laughs> so this one page, I don't know if you can see it. And of course this is going to be nothing to people on the podcast, <laughs> but it's one yeah. page on my iPhone. There are, um, almost 60 games there. That's just my board games. That's oh. Ticket to Ride and Takedo and Potion Explosion and Lords of Waterdeep. So, you know, I, I terraforming Mars on my phone because like nobody would play it with me for a while. So I've probably played 500 games in the last six months of terraforming Mars on my. Oh phone. my goodness! It's it's insane how how many games I play. Um, but probably my all time like top top five all-time games would include the Jim craft series, which was tower defense. Some of the best tower defense games ever. The very first Jim craft was free. A first three, three or maybe even four were free to play. And I probably put a hundred hours in that first game. It just, there was so much content. Wow. Uh, the sunny games where you play as a zombie in a, in a, you know, digital version of an RPG, really super awesome games. Um, Machinarium, um, I think that's how you pronounce it, was popular. It's now an app. It's been on PlayStation. 
Uh, they started with these little free games, Amanita Design, and they just made amazing stuff. Samorost, of course, is one of the like very first really beautiful point-and-click games. And then I would say uh, the submachine games by Matus Sketnik. Um, cool stuff coming out of Eastern Europe. Um, just really amazing, clever stuff that was just it was just all free. It was just all free back in the day. So yeah. That's really cool. I don't think I've heard yeah. of any of those. So now I can go pick out a lot. My wife Absolutely. will be real upset at you for giving me phone games. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So the Samorost games are definitely on the phone. I think the submachine games you can find online still to play. Oh, okay. And then the others are um a machinarium you can definitely find on the phone as well. And then the others I think you can only find if you have um either on Steam or if you have access to like something that lets you play Flash games still. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, from there, let's do Ridiculous Theme. Oh, so- my gosh. Okay, I had an idea. What was my idea? Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting old. Getting old. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this has to be, this has to be clean and family friendly. Well, I mean, so you'll have to edit cop- out my first name. My first name, the first name for a game is going to be the Saggy Boobs game. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's I a real <laughs> gravity, gravity. It's a gravity game. You're getting older. They're sagging farther. I don't know. <laughs> That's I mean, horrible. If, if you're That's okay with horrible. me leaving that in, I'll leave it in. <laughs> Oh, people who know me are going to laugh really hard at that because that is <laughs> my number one complaint in life. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know, though. Like, could you make a good game about getting older? I don't know. I mean, there's the game of life, right? But it's not really about getting older. It's really just about hitting milestones. Yeah. But the reality is not as fun. <laughs> What if it's almost like a, a deck builder and oh my instead gosh. of like, as you reach milestones and build your deck out, you also get like afflictions like arthritis oh. in your hands <laughs> or carpal tunnel or like, Oh <laughs> my gosh. That, that is actually reminding me of, is it a, is it a Rick and Morty game that is like, you're in someone's intestines or somewhat something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Anatomy Park. Yes, Anatomy Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw the game. What I haven't played old. it or anything, but I saw the episode. It's it's a, actually a pretty fun game. It's silly. Really? Like it's there's no real strategy that's going to help you win it. Like if you win it, you're like, ha ha, I won. <laughs> more than gotcha, yeah, I beat you. It's more like, oh my gosh, I got to the end and I'm free, I'm safe, or whatever. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. so, like I feel like just pumps those Rick and Morty games out. There's so many of them. There are so many of them. Yeah, and I don't that's- think I've played a single one. Probably the oh, I think I've played another one, but I can't remember what it is. I have my, my same friend who likes mathy stuff really likes the Rick and Morty stuff, so we end up with a bunch of those in our <laughs> so yeah. I love it. Well, I love the saggy boobs. The, saggy the boobs, the board game. game. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, that'll go on the list. <laughs> Games I'm never gonna make. <laughs> oh i love it i we would always joke on the old podcast when we would do this like if we ever get a big audience or like some really dedicated (laughs) fans like i hope they'll make these games for us and send it to us yeah (laughs) oh i love it oh be careful what you ask for okay so now i have ideas dang it riley you gave me ideas how dare you I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you writing them down right now? I am. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. All right. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. Why don't you plug your social media, your website, all that stuff. Whatever you, you want to plug, you got it. Uh, if you want to have a conversation, the best place to find me is on Twitter at Big Girl Games with the numeral one at the end um, or on my website. It's just biggirlgames.us. 
Love it. And keep an eye out for her because she's going to have some games on Kickstarter soon. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got ga- how many games do you have on Tabletop Simulator? I think three. Three or four. I can't remember. I put one up that I think I've taken down. I, I definitely have three. So I have Diamonds for Water. Um, I have a little roll and write called Dinoferia, which is little dino fairies that are cleaning up pollution in the sacred grove. It's really cute. And oh. then um, my 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 entry for the Button Shy RPG Challenge is on there for playtesting as well. So all of those are available to playtest for sure. Nice. And if people yeah. wanted to, they could contact you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You can sign up to playtest on my website or you can just like DM me on Twitter. Oh, nice. Very nice. There is... A, so I'm a part of a design guild here in Utah, the Board Game Designers Guild of Utah. And in August, we're doing our second proto-synthesis online playtesting event. So last time we did it, which was several months ago, it was great. I had my game in there. Lots of great feedback. Lots of, I mean, I think we had a dozen or so designers in there and and a lot of plenty of playtesters. It was great. So now we're opening it up to people outside of the guild and anybody who wants to sign up can. Cool. So if you wanted to sign up, yeah. you could have your game play tested there. I would love that. I would love that. If you go to bgdg.games there, and then go to the June newsletter, there will be a link and you can sign up as a designer or as a play tester. Uh, and designers are expected to also play test some people's games, at least, you know. It's a give and take. We all we all like yeah. to contribute. Yep, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, perfect. I wanted to tell you that and the audience. So audience yeah. as well. Anyone listening, <laughs> go check it out. So that sounds great. And then you can also go and listen to the last two episodes of Nerding Out, where actually interviews with all of almost all of the designers. I think only two weren't able to make it. So you can go listen to Nerding Out. And hear all of those interviews with all those wonderful designers. Some were really well-established designers. Some are doing their first game. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at NerdOutWithUs. I had the opportunity to play Diamonds for Water with Sarah, and it was really fun. It's a really cool deck builder. It's got some cool, unique things that I haven't seen in any other deck builders. So be excited about that. If you want to follow her on Twitter, uh, you could probably DM her or at her and ask her if you could play test a game with her. She would love that, I am sure. If there's somebody that you would like to get to know better in the board game community, then you should let me know who, because I will go and ask anyone to be on the show. No matter how big, no matter how small, happy to ask. Might as well try, right? And if it's you, that's even easier. You can at me or DM me on Twitter, or you can email me theboardgamecommunityshow at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you left a review. It would be super appreciated. All right, until next time, keep nerding out.